0: You're listening to You're listening to. You're listening to You're listening
1: to The Life Tree Community Church Podcast.
2: Good evening, everybody. How's everybody doing? Doing good? Yeah? Yeah? Alright, good. I'm I'm doing all right. I apologize if my voice is a little raspy. My son had a soccer game today in the rain, in the cold, and uh our goalie stopped a penalty kick. Oh, man. And I may have screamed a little bit. His parents were behind me, and I was pretty happy, and I was excited, and uh, it was awesome, right? I mean, Ethan, it was pretty cool. I mean, it was Ronit, Ronit, man, wherever you are, Ronit, shout out. What a game today, bud. It was awesome. And they won. They won, so they beat an undefeated team. Team was 8-0, eight, eight and, oh, and Robbinsville took them down today. So, yeah, give it up for Robbinsville. It was awesome. It was awesome, so it was a, it was a great, great day, and uh, just got a couple other things. Where's Ian? Ian, it's your birthday. Happy birthday. Hurricane Ian. Hurricane Ian, it's his birthday. <laughs> so uh, great, great to have you here, and Kevin, good to see you, sir. Kevin was in a car accident today, and really good to see you here. God had his hand on you, man, and uh, it's just good to see you here. Uh, I'm glad you're, glad you're with us, brother. Um, so, again, just good to see everybody. Welcome to Lifetree. I'm Pastor Dan, if, if I haven't mentioned that already. I don't know if I said that yet. I am Pastor Dan, I think. At the moment, I am. Um, so I invite you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 15. Uh, if you have a Bible, you can, you can flip there. If you have a phone, you can punch it in. If you can spell Deuteronomy, uh, congratulations. Uh, good luck to you. Um, it'll be on the screen, too, in a little bit. Uh, but we're in the middle of a series called The Forest. The Forest, we're for Life Tree, you know, the forest. We got the whole thing going on. Um, and really what we're doing is renewing our vision for why we do this. Why are we doing church? Why do, why do we go to church? Why, what is this all about? So renewing that vision. And uh, so we're a series called The Forest. Many, many years ago, a boatload of travelers landed on the coast of America. And the first year, they had established a, a town, like a site. And the next year, they elected a town government. Um, the third year, the town government planned to build a road five miles into the, uh, westward into the wilderness. And in the fourth year, the people tried to impeach the town government because they thought it was a waste of public funds to build a road five miles westward into the wilderness. <laughs> um, it's amazing, right? Um, who needs to go there anyway? And it's funny because time has a way of making us rethink what we're doing. You know, you you get all these ideas and plans of what you're going to do, and over time, uh, your mind changes. You know, your thoughts change, your ideas change. Um, And it's amazing to me our capacity to sometimes walk through our days on almost on autopilot, right? We just sort of, we stop thinking about it without actually considering where or why we're doing it. Uh, If you've ever read the book The Power of Habit, uh, author Charles Duhigg uh, reveals that research suggests that almost 40%, listen to this, 40% of your day, you act out of habit. Almost up to 40% of your day. And what he means by that, what research, what we mean by acting is that there's, a, don't laugh, but that there's little to no brain activity while you're doing those things. When you are in a habit cycle, when you are doing something out of habit, your brain activity is equivalent to when you're sleeping, okay? So then you're in a habit cycle. Um, You just do. You don't think about it. Your brain is almost shut off. So, for example, when you pick up your toothbrush, hopefully you pick up your toothbrush, at some point in a day, you always grab it with the same hand. And you always start on the same side of your mouth, okay? You don't think about it. You just do it. Brain activity, turn it off. You just do it. For those that drive, when you get in your car and you sit down, whether you push the button or turn the key, put it in drive, you put your hand on the wheel, you look at your mirrors, you're not thinking. It's just habit. You've done it so many times, except for you young drivers, pay attention. You're not there yet. You haven't established habit yet, so keep working on it, all right? But 40% of our day, habit, means 40% of our day, little to no brain activity, we're just doing. And it's really good to wake ourselves up once in a while and say, huh, should I be doing this? Or why am I doing this? Or remind myself. I'm going to start something new this week. Uh, some, sometimes, uh, if you've been part of Life True, you know that sometimes I reference books. Sometimes. Some, often, I reference a book or two when I speak. And several of you have asked for a list of books. Uh, so I've got to give credit to uh, Kim Dressler for this idea. We're going to list them on our websites on a page we're calling, you ready? The Lumberyard. <laughs> Resources to help you build a life founded on God. The Lumberyard, because everything is treeish, Right, there you go. Uh, so um, so we're kicking that off, so if you go to wearelifetree.com backslash Lumberyard, you will see book recommendations e- updated each week and just lists, so this book, Power of Habit, will be on the list, highly recommended. It. It's just a great book anyway. Um, There's another great book. It won't be on the list, but you should know about it. It's called the Bible. Um, And it's filled with pretty much everything we need for life. Um, And in Deuteronomy there, in that passage, what we're about to read, uh, God was telling people how to live in right relationship with each other. Okay, so this is really early on in sort of the story of the development of the people. And in Deuteronomy, God's giving sort of these rules and regulations, a code, a standard for living. And specifically, he's talking to the people about how to handle debt, and need. Okay, so really interesting here. In their society, um, land and service was also often exchanged for debt. So if I go into debt if I if I fall on hard times or maybe I made a bad decision or something happens and I find myself in need, I could indebt myself to someone else by saying, Here, take my land, or hey, I will work for you. So I will indebt myself, I will indeb my property, whatever, because property stayed with families. It went you know, it was it was uh, like blockchain, any of you, you know, you know blockchain, it's like, it's like hold it, it, it keeps a track of who, who owns what. And they would, they would do this, and over time, if you think about that, you know, the, just the, the reality of debt, over time that can have generational consequences, right? If your parents lose their land to someone else, then you can't inherit that. And it means that you start with a lot less than the kid next door, Okay. Um, So that's how poverty is often amplified by systems of power, right? This is just not going social commentary, but it's just fact. Like, this is how it works. This is how systems work. So God is talking specifically to people about debt and need and systems of power, and we're going to read it, Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 1, and this is what God says, and just listen in. He says this, at the end of every seventh year, you must cancel the debts of everyone who owes you money. This is how it must be done. Everyone must cancel the loans they have made to their fellow Israelites. They must not demand payment from their neighbors or relatives for the Lord's time of release has arrived. This release from debt, however, applies only to your fellow Israelites, not to the foreigners living among you. There should be, verse 4, no poor among you. Hmm. How's that for a vision? There should be no poor among you, for the Lord your God will greatly bless you in the land he has given you as a special possession. You will receive this blessing, if conditional, if you are careful to obey all the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today. The Lord your God will bless you as he has promised. You will lend money to many nations, but never need to borrow. You will rule many nations, but they will not rule over you. But if there are any poor Israelites in your town, reality... There should be no, but there will be. If, if there are any poor Israelites in your towns, when you arrive in the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Instead, be generous and lend them whatever they need. Do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone alone because the year for canceling debt is close at hand. If that seventh year is coming, don't be like, uh, I only sure I'm not doing this. He says, don't do that. If you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you will be considered guilty of sin. Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly. For the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. Verse 11, we close with this. There will always be some in the land who are poor. That's really, that's real reality. That is why I'm commanding you to share freely with the poor and with other Israelites in need. Let's just take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word to us. Lord, I ask that you would give us understanding, Lord, help us to understand what that means for us today, 2022 New Jersey, Lord, how does this connect to who we are today and how we're to live? It's in your name we pray, amen, amen. So in this passage here, God is introducing a practice, a behavior, a habit, right, Uh, that would result in restoration every seven years, right, that whatever debt someone else owed you, you would forgive it. Interesting, right? Practically, that means that the lender now has to absorb the debt. The debt doesn't just go away, right? Like somebody's got to pay that, but that means now the lender is absorbing the cost. And so, So those with means were expected to help those without. And God is establishing a system for how to live well with each other. Remember this. How do we live well with each other? How many would sign up for that system? You're like, oh, no, if I like that. What if you were on the other side of that? What if your debt was canceled every seven years? Would you take some more risks? Would you live a little different? Every seven years, you know it just went away. Hmm. It's interesting. It's interesting. So I got another one for the lumberyard. Okay, second. I'm only doing two tonight. All right, two. Here's another one for the lumberyard. This, this phenomenal book, listen, it, like, you should just read this book rather than listening to me tonight because it's so good. It's called Playing God. Uh, Redeeming the Gift of Power. It's one of the best books I've read in the last five, ten years. It's amazing. By a guy named Andy Crouch. And he says this, Institutions create and distribute power. The ability to make something of the world. That's what power is. It's the ability to make something of the world. And he says, The best test of any institution, and I'm thinking about this in the sense of a nation that God is kind of creating Israel, right? In this institution, he says, The best measure... The best test of any institution, and especially of any institution's roles and rules for using power, is whether everyone flourishes when everyone does their roles and plays by the rules, or whether only a few of the participants experience abundance and growth. The best test of an institution, of its rules, the best test of a law that governs an organization is who flourishes. Is it just a few, or is it good for everybody? Hmm. that sounds like a, a good test, right? It's a filter we can use for lots of things. And God was revealing here a law and a system that was designed to ensure flourishing not just of a few, but for everybody. He says, hey, I'm not looking at just a few people here. I'm looking at everyone. All right. So it's an interesting uh, rule, law, that God is instituting. It's very curious. Um, now, we can't really draw a straight line from that to today and say, so we should do that. We don't really live in that kind of society. It's not a, and, and it's not meant to be read as a rule book for us today. Like, we're not just supposed to do everything in the Old Testament and just follow those. Um, God is not necessarily asking you to release anybody who's owed you a debt for more than seven years to be like, okay, right? And it doesn't mean that you necessarily get to be released from debt every seven years, although that would be cool, um, for some of us, you'd be like, yeah, I'd sign up for that. All our houses, seven years, seven-year loans. That's all we got. So that's it. I mean, you got a boom. That's, you know, a different market. Um, but what we can see in this law is the heart of God. As we look through the Old Testament, there are things that do transcend time. Those, it's not so much a straight line like we just need to do that, but we can see the heart of God because that doesn't change. And so the, the question here is what do we pull out of that? What does that mean for us today? What, what do we learn from this? And the first thing we can see is that God has repeatedly displayed what Pastor Tim Keller, if you know him, he calls a special concern for those without power. He says you can search the scriptures over and over again, and God repeatedly, repeatedly shows a special concern for the poor and the needy. Right? He's even identified with the poor and needy. Proverbs 31, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Speak up for the poor and helpless. See that they get justice. Proverbs 14, 41. Those who oppress the poor insult who? Their maker. But helping the poor honors him. God says, what you do to them, you're doing to me. If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord. Proverbs 19, 17. And he will repay you. Right? It's not just in the Old Testament. Jesus himself said this. Right. He says, whatever you do to the least of these people around you, You're doing that to me. God doesn't just show special concern for the poor. He says, I am them. I am them. Someone made this observation. Right relationship with God is inseparable from right relationship with neighbor. You can't just say, I want to do good for God and yeah, sorry everybody else, I I don't have time for you. The greatest commandment, Jesus said the entire law all the prophets the entire bible you can sum it up in this one thing love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself he doesn't like it's it's they're right there together it's not you don't get to pick one or the other it's not love god or love neighbor you do both and how we care for those in need around us is a reflection of our love for god How we care for those around us is a reflection of our love for God. There's a uh, there's a Snickers commercial. Snickers commercial. It says, "You're not you when you're hungry." Saw somebody eating a Snickers bar before service. I was like, "Ah, I got a picture of that." You're not you when you're hungry. Everybody seen this? Anybody seen this commercial before? Like, you got funny commercial people, like, being grumpy, you know, and it's like, and then they transform it into somebody else once they eat a Snickers. And honestly, I don't know where you stand on this, but I do think Snickers is, like, a pretty good candy bar. And, like, if you're hungry, it kind of satisfies. Like, it actually does work. But the more I look at this, like, slogan, like somebody in some, you know, conference room somewhere comes up with this branding stuff, and they, you're not you when you're hungry. But the more I thought about it, It's unintentionally profound because you're not you when you're hungry, literally hungry. You're not you when you're weary. You're not you when you're hurting or in debt or the victim of injustice, when you are so deeply in need that you don't see a way out. Guess what? When you are struggling under the weight of need, you know what the truth is? You're not you. You might be existing, but you're certainly not flourishing. When we're in need, we're not able to give and to contribute to the world like we know we are created to, and we know it. Have you ever had those moments where you're like, man, I would love to help out right now, but I just can't seem to get myself moving? I've got too many other things going, and I know in another world, in another situation or circumstance, I could be helping I could be making a difference here, but I don't have the energy or I don't have the resources. I don't have the means, and I wish I could, but I have too many needs to even give to that. Anybody? Anybody ever felt like that? I just want to let you know, that's all of us. Right? We all have something to give, and for all of us, unmet needs in us hold us back. If you have unmet needs, it limits our ability to be us and to give. You want to see someone at their best, release them from whatever holds them back. You want to see somebody at their best, right? you release them from whatever, whatever needs they have. <laughs> the heart of God is for people not only to know he loves them, but also to be released from that burden of their need. And listen, we will always have a need for God. We will always be dependent on him. But there are times when Jesus said, hey, these people are simply too hungry to hear anything I have to say. I care about their souls, so feed them. Literally feed them. Literally, before I talk to you about who you are as a person in your soul, I'm going to address the broken bones in you. I'm going to address the broken places in you. I'm going to address these things in you, these areas of need. He didn't pick one or the other. He did both. See, God doesn't just restore our bodies. He restores all of us. See, God has always been a God of restoration, right, to give back what's been taken, and it's really not about money. God restores power to the powerless. He restores dignity. He restores hopes and dreams to those who have given up on them. If you have been in any kind of debt at any point in your life, you know that feeling, and you also know the power of a second chance. You know the power of help. You know how that has changed things, and when that happens, it changes you, and it drives you to make it count. What we find in Deuteronomy is that God's solution for restoring power and good to those in need was for those who had abundance to help. So there are going to be people in need. The poor will always be among you, and here's my solution. You who have help those who have need. If there are any poor Israelites in your towns when you arrive, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted. Be generous. Lend whatever they need. Give generously, not grudgingly. Share freely. If, if, if I may, I'd like to get really, really practical <laughs> for this. I might need to sit down for this. Um, last week, we talked about the value of church, why we do this, right? We talked about... What comes from this and how when you tithe, you participate in keeping this church a vibrant, life-given community, right? We talked about this is, this. is When you tithe, tithe goes directly to making this happen, to helping us be a community of people that love and care for each other and, and this place where we can grow together and, and flourish together. And I told you to imagine two buckets, right? That that first bucket is for the tithe, and the tithe completely is dedicated to helping this church stay operational. And what I'd like to do tonight is just tell you about the other bucket which from now on we will refer to as the forest. There we go. There's the name, the forest. The tithe is what supports our church, the home tree, and the forest is what supports everything else. Right? Everything else. Right? The forest of trees. Are you ready for this? Oh, man. Dads, get ready. Because the forest is for the rest. Oh, see what I did there? Knee slapper, come on. That's a good one. The forest is for the rest. Oh, man, I geeked out for like three weeks with this when we figured this out. I was like, dude, that's so cool. The forest is for the rest. The tithe takes care of Home Tree and the forest takes care of everybody else that we give to. Do you know who we give to? I don't know if you know this. Do you know that Life Tree supports about 45 to 50 different missionaries and organizations all over the world? Next week... This is so cool. Next week, we're going to celebrate 12 years as a church. So you don't want to miss next week. We have something special planned. It's our birthday, so it's our 12-year anniversary. We launched this church on October 10th, 2010, 10, 10, 10. That's when Life Tree kicked off in the Sharon School capitorium. 12 years later, here we are, and we did some research. You ready for this? To date, we have given away to the forest, not for tides, but to the forest specifically, we have given away $995,094. We are 4000 away from a million bucks. That's you. That's you. This is incredible. We're, we're not a huge church. We're not a huge church, but that's, that's not small. That's not small. That, that's what we've given away. And you know where the money went? The money went to support organizations like Teen Challenge, the addiction recovery, and it went to the Robbinsville Food Pantry, which is right through those doors, and helping people every week get food. And it went to Meet uh, Mercer Street Friends, who does a whole lot of really, really good stuff. I mean, it's, really, it's like a dream center. They do everything their jobs, and helping uh, you know, families stay together, and housing, and, and uh, education, and food. They do, they do so many great things, and uh, Meals on Wheels, and Ability Tree, Uh, with, you know, helping families with special needs and respite and care like that and the Miracle League and support those fighting human trafficking. We've given to so many different organizations. We've given almost a million dollars to help those in need all over this state. And this week we had a chance to sit down with just a few of them to share the story really quickly. So I just want you to take a minute and listen to this video and then we'll wrap it up.
0: The One Project, an organization that brings people from different backgrounds together to do community service projects. One of our biggest events is the Hunger Project, and that's about bringing people from the community together, and they're doing something that they care about, and they, and they really want to address hunger and food insecurity.
3: Making sure that our seniors' needs are met. The food pantry falls under our realm of responsibilities here. We have some older people in here who they have no one else, and they come here, and this is their outlet for a couple hours to talk, to feel like they're special, to know that we care, to know somebody cares.
1: Anybody can get clean. The question is how do you stay clean? And uh, that's what Teen Challenge is about. Uh, This is about becoming the man that God wants you to be so that when things happen throughout life, uh, you have something to stand on. You have peace, you have purpose, um, and that's uh, what makes this program so successful. Outside organizations are the reason why Teen Challenge is in existence and can function as it does. Uh, Without that, this would not be a program, uh, or else it would look much different than it does today. Taking government assistance comes constraints, controls, and and lack of uh, the freedom to to operate the program that you want to make. It It was more of a secular program, uh, less of a uh, Christ-centered program, which is what we believe is what has always made this thing uh, possible.
3: A lot of stuff comes from churches, our local churches um, and temples. You know, all I have to do is tell them what we need and it's there. But the addition of Joyce and Gordon going to Mercer Street Friends, that's really, really like made our food pantry go up a notch.
0: So when we interact, we usually interact with a lot of faith-based organizations and churches. And what it really does is brings out those volunteers and it makes that connection um, with the community. And I think that's so important Um, because one act of love, whether it's volunteering or giving back, uh, has such a cascading effect. It's not that you're just affecting the people that you're directed towards, there's everybody observing what you do, it's everything that goes beyond that. It's such a multiplication of love.
3: It would fall primarily on either the town to come up with these items or um, residents but it would be a lot smaller if we just had to depend on the residents i keep going back to joyce and gordon but the one week they were on vacation it was like they were really missed because they're taking giving us our time back mind impacts time back to be able to spend with the seniors um they're they're in their check expiration dates they're getting the bags together so when they were on vacation that week we had to you know a lot time for that out of our day to go and work the food pantry so it, it's really helping us a lot
0: the way our system is developed, it's about having work from the federal government, having work from the state government, having work from some efforts from local government, from church groups, other nonprofit groups, but the system relies on everybody coming together. And when you start to isolate and certain things aren't taking, doing what they're supposed to do, the entire system is weakened. And I think when we want to make sure that we're helping and going towards that common goal of feeding people or or whatever that topic is, you need everybody to be involved. And it becomes insular. You don't connect with the community. And, and again, each individual group is only as strong as that community is. Uh,
1: if there were no churches uh, supporting Adolment Teen Challenge, uh, this would either become another insurance-covered, state-run program or lose the essence of the Jesus Factor in this program. Uh, and ultimately, unfortunately, we'd probably go away. Uh, you think about some of the gentlemen that are in our program who have come here from, with, with absolutely nothing, coming straight from the street, uh, who are now in positions of leadership, positions of authority. Every single person, as a staff of the Dolan Challenge, was, uh, was a former resident, somebody who was controlled by addiction. Um, that was made possible because of the support of the churches.
0: When I think of Robbinsville and I think of Life Street Community Church, what I think about is people that are interacting with the community. Um, and I see that and and you really notice the difference and you see the difference that, that makes not that on the people within the church, but everybody that they interact with. Moving forward, the thing that people should take a look at is continue that volunteering, but also take a look at some things that might make you uncomfortable or something that's totally different. I think some of the best experiences I've had in my life have been, um, doing some kind of volunteer activity that I had no idea what I was getting into. And it just, the experiences of the different cultures I got to meet, the different people I got to meet, um, was such a unique experience that gave me perspective in a way that I never thought possible.
3: If somebody has like a special skill that they wanna come in and like um, you're an art teacher and you wanna donate some of your time to do an art class, anything that you think the seniors would enjoy um, we could put a program together and, and do that as well. Um, we're always looking for that too.
1: Well, one thing I would love for the church is just to, to keep in mind uh, and uh, is just to open your hearts to, to the addict, to the person that's struggling. Uh, there are gonna be people in your congregation who may secretly have issues. To, to give them love, give them hope. They are uh, they're you and they're me. Uh, I am a pastor's son uh, and I am uh, an addict. Touches everybody. Uh, so just be compassionate. Uh, continue to love the way you guys know how to love. Uh, and just continue to support team challenge. And we see those rescue stories constantly. We see the guys coming in half dead and in two weeks uh, just a completely different men. Uh, this is a this is a frontline ministry. Uh, and uh, everything you guys can do to help, we uh, are literally saving lives. And thank you for your support. Hmm,
2: man. And that's just three different organizations. We could continue to talk, and I got, I got stats here. We could talk about stats about hunger and addiction and rates of foreclosure and homelessness and special needs and so many more things that I could mention. But the point is this. You, you get it. God doesn't just care for our physical needs. He He cares for who we are, but he is undeniably attentive to the poor and the needy. And the solution back in ancient times is still God's solution today. Those who have are to care for those who have need. Um, And that's what the forest is for. When you give offerings, it goes to that. just want you to know, that's what it goes to. That's what it gives. When you give to the forest, hungry people get food. When you give to the forest, when you give offerings, those struggling with addiction get help. When you, give to, when you give offerings, those drowning in debt get relief. Those who need a place to stay get that. Those tired and weary get rest. Those lost and alone are found. It matters. And I just, wanna, just want you to know that, that when you give offerings, that's what it goes to. And I want to make sure this is clear. Uh, we need tithes to operate, right? Your, your tithe supports the church. And, uh, and we as the church, we tithe off of that. So 10% of everything that you give in a tithe, we tithe, the tithe of the tithe. It's actually biblical, comes from Numbers chapter 18. Um, and so we take that 10% of everything you give in a tithe. So like when, when you designate things, just so you know, it matters. Okay, the tithe comes into operating, the forest goes into right, everything else, <laughs> everything that we give away. And I just wanna say this as tactfully as I can, um, but we're getting late, so my filters are low, just a little low. Um, but you can't choose between tithing and offering, right? I mean, you can, um, but when you get on an airplane, right, and they tell you, like, if if an event of emergency, right, put your oxygen on first before you help everybody else, Um, if you choose not to tithe but only to give to offerings, um, it's like giving oxygen to others while neglecting uh, what this church needs to exist, and that means we would no longer be able to be the source from which all that stuff happens, Right out of here, we're able to do that. But if you if you cut the root, right? Well, then then there's no fruit out there. And so I just want to make sure that we're clear that tithes go for this and offerings go for that. And and as far as I understand from studying God's word, I just mm, this is hard to say, but I have to say because I'm a pastor. So um, tithing is not generosity. It's not. It's obedience. A tithe is obedient. Offerings, generosity begins at 11%. Which means, right, like that's where, that's where we get to make choices. Um, offerings are whatever we give above and beyond the tithe. The tithe is what we give to help the church. And then out of that, whatever God prompts your heart to give. And so if we choose not to give offerings, hypothetically, what we're telling God is, God, I, I will do the bare minimum <laughs> that you're asking of me. But everything else, I'm just, I'm just not interested. Like all those stories, yeah, that's great and all, but it's somebody else. And I know this may sound absolutely crazy to you. You're like, are you seriously up there in this world these days telling us that you think we should give 10% of our income to a church and then more? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because we're not just talking about generosity. We're actually talking about radical generosity. Because uh, Jesus doesn't ask us to... Like, it's, it's not an easy ask. He doesn't say, hey, come follow me and I'll be roses and lollipops. He says, hey, come and die. Those who lose their life will find it. Right? He, Jesus, yeah, it, it, he raises the bar. This is radical. So the question is, isn't really about money at all. This actually, I just, this is really, really important. This, this has nothing to do with money. The question is not how much money am I willing to give. The question is this, how much do I care? how much do I care about those in need? So if you really think, you know, I don't know if it's really about that. No, it is. Let's bring this home, like literally. Um, How much is too much to give to ensure the good of your kids? Anybody have limits on how much you'll spend to make sure your kids are okay? How much is too much to give to ensure the good of your husband or your wife or your mom or your dad? Do we limit that? We say, Nah, I, I, you know, uh, it's only so much. I mean, Mom, Dad, you're on your own. How much is too much to give to help out your best friend when they have genuine need? So, yes, it's not about money. How much is too much for someone to help you, <laughs> you when you have need? See, it's not about money. God, God knows that. It's about our heart. That's why he doesn't demand offerings. I just want to make this clear. He doesn't demand offerings at all. Paul tells us in Second Corinthians right, that you must each decide in your own heart what to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And in 1 Chronicles, the people rejoiced over the offerings for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. In Proverbs 21, some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. When God instructs the people to give generously to the poor and not grudgingly, God says, hey, I care about your hearts, not just about your actions. He says, I want you to do this because you want to. Because, you, because your heart is for those people. So each week when you give, you're going to see two options. We'll make some changes even on our website. But you'll see, you'll, and if you take out your program, you'll see. Everybody take that out right now. You should see an offering envelope in there, a giving envelope. And I'm not asking for money right now, so don't worry. But you'll see, there should be, right, tithes and the forest. You, all right, so you get to designate. But I just want you to understand that's what you're doing. When you give to tithes, you're saying, we want to support the ministry of this church, that this church continues to, to thrive. And when you give to the offerings, you're giving too. To the forest, you're giving to Teen Challenge and the food pantry and, and rescue missions. You're giving to Convoy of Hope, which is right now on the ground, right, in, in Florida, helping out with hurricane relief, crisis relief. That's what you're giving to. It's It's for the rest. It's for everyone else. And listen... I just want you to know this. I don't see any of it. <laughs> I don't know who gives what in our church. For 12 years, I sleep a whole lot better at night not knowing. It's great. I don't have to worry about it. So I can speak about this freely. I'm not talking to anybody. Um, it's between you and God. It's not between you and me. It's between you and God. You get to choose. And here's the thing. You need to choose. And you're going to have to choose. And you can't pretend like you didn't hear the message. So I'm sorry. Because now you know. So I just ruined it for everybody. Like, yeah, you, you know now. Um, and here's just the thing, right? Give freely give with open hands with open hearts and it's not a one time thing it's like okay this one time I will give no this is just this is a lifestyle generosity is how we live it's what we do and for the record it's what we've been doing that's how you get to a million bucks that's what we've been doing i mean seriously i'm still I'd like write my grandmother i could i could die happy like that's it like we we that's so cool to see like what our church has been able to give through the years but it's all spent and just last I checked, there's still a lot of poor and needy in our area. So I just want you to remember, when you give, it's not about money. You're actually participating in God's work of restoring to people power and agency and dignity and help, right? The forest is for the rest. The church, the church is one of the few organizations that exist for the benefit of our non-members. Right? It's, trees don't exist for their own benefit. We're here for everybody else generosity forms us into the kind of people who have a heart like God, a heart that desires to see good come to those in need. And that's why we do this. So that's it. So we're going to close with communion. I'm going to invite the band back up as we just go into this. And I think communion is a great way to kind of confirm this. We talked about communion last week. Remember about why we do this as a church each week? And one of the things about communion is that it's the great equalizer. No matter how, if you are a person with great need, Or great abundance, guess what? You ready? You're a sinner. You have a lot of money, congratulations, still a sinner. You could be really strong, lift a lot of weight, still a sinner. You could be in the prime of life, you could be in your twilight years, still a sinner. See, communion says we're all. It brings us all together. And Nikki, you can, you can just begin to play. I want to close with it. If, and for those who are guests with us, just want to explain about communion. We believe that communion um, is symbolic. It represents the, the blood and the body of Jesus. And if you're a guest with us and you uh, have a personal relationship with Jesus, you are more than welcome to participate. You don't have to be a member at Life Tree. You just need to have a, a personal relationship. If you don't have that and you're just not sure where you stand, that's okay. No judgment, judgment-free zone. You know, we're not looking around. We're not taking score. Um, If you didn't receive elements and you would like them, please just raise your hand. Make sure our ushers, Kevin, just walk around. Make sure everybody got them. Um, I did not. Can you hand me some? Thank you. Appreciate that. I think the one great thing about communion is it reminds us that we all have needs. We all have needs. We all need grace. Every month, we take time to share this because we forget. There are times we forget. We think we're good or we don't need much. And it's important to remember this bread represents the body of Jesus. Now, we had a need, and it was costly. And he didn't flinch, he laid down his life willingly. He didn't have to, he, he made a choice. He chose to make himself the offering. He didn't hold back. He didn't say, oh, that's too much. He says, I will give of my own will. I lay my life down. Nobody, Jesus says, nobody is forcing me to do this. I'm doing it of my own will. I'm choosing to do this. That's what, that's what this bread represents. So let's just take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this bread. Lord, if Jesus didn't withhold his life, how could we ever be here? But, Lord, since he didn't, since he gave everything as an offering, Lord, help us to give what we have to give. Lord, forgive us for those times where we've withheld from others. Perhaps we've been so concerned with what we have that we just didn't think about the needs of others. Lord, I ask you to turn our attention outside. That we not only take care of ourselves, but, Lord, we also are quick to cheerfully and joyfully give to those in need. Lord, it's it's our gift. It's our opportunity. It's truly more blessed to give than to receive. So let us do that. We thank you for what you've done for us and your great love for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's eat together. And the cup represents his blood. He didn't just meet our needs. He paid our debts. We're free. We don't owe anymore. You don't have to be hungry anymore. He's living water. He's our daily bread. We don't carry the burden of making right what we've done wrong. God doesn't ask us to do anything for others that he hasn't already done for us. He was immeasurably generous with us. Paul says this, The generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became so that by his poverty, he could make us rich. Jesus was extravagantly generous and gracious with us. Let's just take a moment and pray as we hold this. Heavenly Father, Lord, make us generous, willing to give whatever we have to give. Lord, because we have been given so much, because we no longer owe, let us not be quick to make others pay. Help us to have a gracious and forgiving heart. To those around us, Lord, we can start there. We can start with extending forgiveness. Let us constantly be aware of how much we've been forgiven. Lord, you said that those who've been forgiven much love much. So let that be true in our own lives. We thank you for how you've changed us, how good you are. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's drink. I'm just going to. I'm on bite R.